Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. All right. Well, thanks for joining us again today. Um, This is going to be a little bit of a discussion. And so Paige, Scott here, and Jesse. Say hi, Jesse. Hey, everyone. You probably know who Jesse is if you are listening to the podcast because Jesse is our worship leader. Jesse has taught on the podcast before, and uh, and she's involved with lots of social media. And she's always the person running the technical side of the podcast. So you probably know Jesse. And as we've shared before, we're in the middle of a soap study on the Gospel of John with some other ladies here in the Texoma area. And we're really liking it. Uh, SOAP is an acronym for Scripture, Observation, Application, in prayer. And Jesse and I, even though we just meet once a week with other women to dive into what the Lord has shown us over uh, those seven days, we exchange text messages every day about um, the things that the Lord has showed us. So, um, Jesse, I want to ask you some questions about your experience doing soap, and and then uh, we might take a minute and just dive in dive into the two soaps that I had shared about from John 5 and John 8, and just some further discussion uh, from the Word word on those. But um, Jesse, what's your thought been so far on participating in the soap study? Well, I am currently doing two other studies other than the soap. Um, Paige and I are actually doing the Flourish mentor-mentee study from Passion City Church. And I'm also doing a study in Luke with my friend Bailey, which is a book called Exposition over Luke, and it's a commentary. And the soap is my favorite study because um, there's no commentary that I can depend on to chew on the Word. The only thing that we do is we read faithfully every day and we take the passage that meant something to us um, in that, and we get to observe, apply, and pray over it. And so for me, I need that disciplinary um, partnership, so accountability that we have with the ladies at Entourage that um, that hold me accountable and tell me how the Lord's speaking to them, which is cool, but also to be able, when I am intentionally in the Word, uh, to just see where the Lord leads me in His Word and not be dependable on an author or a commentary. It's just what He's speaking to me. It's very special. That reminds me, uh, if you listen to our intro episodes with Carol Hines, as she had said something to the effect of um, our your favorite book at its best is Revelation from God to that author. And uh, I love books. I love Christian books. I love devotionals. But at some point, it is important that you're in the Word for yourself, that I'm in the Word for myself, and that we're getting revelation from the Revelator ourselves. And uh, and so that's the whole idea of, of soap. And um, Jesse, what—so in the book of John, just to, to give an overview, it was the last of the four 
Gospels uh, written time-wise. Um, it is the most different, the most uh, unique in terms of original content of the four Gospels. It has things like the I Am statements uh, about about Jesus. Um, and really, it just focuses heavily on um, the theme of belief, uh, believing in Jesus as the Word of God, the Son of God, and God Himself. And so that's kind of John, the book of John, in a nutshell. Um, Jesse, what has really stood out to you the most so far? We're like around John chapter 13 uh, right now. We're about halfway or a little more than halfway through. Um, what has stood out to you most as you've been in John the past few weeks? That is a really tough question. <laughs> There's a lot of things that stick out. But as you know, Paige, and, and actually I spoke about this in one of the podcasts about me personally being in a season of receiving. So as as there are I am statements a lot from just the great I am from Yahweh who... And when, give an example of some of the I am statements. I didn't do that. So people know what we're talking about. Like yes, I am. Yes. So so we're about to get into chapter 14 where, where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the light that people know. But what we have studied... Um, Jesus also talked about being, I am the living water and I am the bread of life. And I am in this last chapter, whenever he rose, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. But what stick out, stood out to me the most was I am the living water. and with the Spirit. And so from the Jews that were listening, understood water as being an abundance of the Spirit pouring down over him. So whenever I read that, I knew that in my time of receiving the Lord, that that it even says that when Jesus went up into the clouds, the Holy Spirit pours down as a gift from him. That's where he is right now. We know he died for our sins. We know he rose from the grave and he's in heaven. And he has gifted us the Holy Spirit as our assurance and and our um, teacher to know and have those revelations of this word that we have. And it is abundantly being pouring, poured out as living water. That's what Jesus did. So I think that's what stuck out the most for me. Yeah, I I love um, as we get to these different uh, series of statements, I am statements, seeing a different, a different, someone, um, Jonathan uh, Helser, is that you said his last name that we listen to his podcast? Oh, we don't know. The guy that sings No Longer Slaves, you may know that song, but um, he would describe it this way, and I love, I love this, that it's like seeing a different side of God's face um, whenever you're seeing these I am statements. The book of John also describes in John 1, it says that that um, the Word was made flesh, and He dwelt among us. And so the Word is God. God is the Word. Jesus is the Word, and He's also um, He's also God. And I know that that's a lot to, to swallow. It's a lot for me to swallow. But every time Jesus makes these statements about, I am this, I am this, I am this, it's like further 
um, revelation about who this Savior is, not only that saved us, that we serve, but who lives in us, that Holy Spirit that you're talking about. So I think that's a big deal, a big deal for me too. Um, Just a few minutes ago, we had recorded uh, two other episodes. Hopefully you've listened to them on your podcast um, channel already, or if not, they'll be coming up. But they were about two soap soaps that I had done, one on John 5, and it was about the the paralytic or the invalid who had been that way for 38 years. And the other was John 8, and it was about um, when the the Jewish leaders and Pharisees bring a woman caught in adultery to Jesus, and they ask Jesus to condemn her uh, by stoning her. And and so I'd talked about some things the Lord had shown me through that. And then as Jesse and I left, it kind of opened up some conversation that we just wanted to continue on here. And um, it's not because we have all the answers, because I feel like most of our conversations end with more questions, but that keeps us pointed in this direction of truth and um, in that John 14 way truth life, like in pursuit of of Jesus. And, and there's no better pursuit of Jesus than having your word open and in, in diving in in that way. So Jesse had asked me, um, or we she had mentioned just, we talked about in the John 8 podcast um, about how we shouldn't carry stones to condemn. And, uh, and then we began to talk about the distinction of what it looks like um, to not condemn, but to expose sin when someone is living in sin and you want to point them to the Lord, not for condemnation, but for uh, restoration. And uh, so we're just talking about that balance of what that looks like. And uh, Jesse, you want to share kind of where you were coming from on that and what you've been processing out? Yes. So um, the process looks really different now, but I honestly could think back of last year whenever I started chewing on this when I was talking to your mom, Debbie, at a Hearts at Rest conference. And Hearts at Rest, if you don't know, is for women with anxiety. So we'll probably have a couple conferences, pages you've mentioned in this fall 2019. Um, But I was talking to Paige's mom specifically about someone that I was just really sensitive to. Uh, towards his demeanor and how he attacks things, not for the purpose of being a servant, but for the purpose of getting ahead. And so I was very unsettled. And Debbie told me, Jesse, well, you know, um, you can pray for their sin to be exposed. And that was the first time that I heard that. And it really helped me because I have probably leaned more towards the unhealthy side of more grace instead of truth. And um, in fear of condemning people, not condemning people. And in that, just to elaborate on that, meaning like you have someone that is in your life, just hypothetically, you've got someone in your life that you're close to, you know that there's like active sin that is unhealthy, that's not being addressed, and because you don't want to come across as being condemning, um, you just don't, would err on the side of not addressing it at all. Is yeah, that what so you mean like by that? Woman, yeah, yeah, so we can use the example too, like the woman caught in adultery. She was exposed and the light was shed upon her. But then Jesus said, go and sin no more. And no man could have a stone in their hand. So I almost would skip the exposing of her sin and just want her to just be healed by the Lord. But you can't be healed unless you present your sickness. 
unless you address what's wrong. Um, I actually had a loved one pass away because he had a liver problem and he never addressed it at the doctor. So he passed away. And so, and that's the same spiritually. We are killing ourselves in the death of sin, being separated with the Lord because we aren't exposing that sin. Now, once the sin is exposed, no condemnation is there. That's where grace of the Lord comes. That's where light sheds upon it. And that's where we don't feel the weight of the separation of the Lord. There's nothing lost. We are now found. We are together with the Lord again. And it's so healthy. But I almost want to skip the hard part <laughs> and and just, um, yeah, kind of scoop the sin under the rug. Maybe that is like the the attempt of wanting things to be copacetic. I forget. Um, that the healing process has to take, and that brings the level of being fake, not even being true to yourself. Because I just know the Lord loves and forgives, and I forget you need to be forgiven before you can really be with Him. So that is that is what I mean by leaning on that side of grace more than the truth that needs to show them um, what is keeping them separated from the Lord. Yeah, I, and I probably, Jesse and I have some similarities. If you take a personality assessment, we score on the same letters. So sometimes part the way we process things can be similar, and I probably would lean toward that that in my nature too. Um, I'm not a passive person, but I'm a kind person, and I don't want to make someone feel uncomfortable, and I don't want someone to think that I think I'm better than than them. And so, but at the end of the day, what the word also says that the consequence of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life. And so, um, and we all sin, we all sin. Um, when we are in Jesus, we don't have to be a slave to sin anymore, but there, there are active sins that we do have a responsibility to, um, to bring to light. And I was telling Jesse earlier about the Casting Crown song, Slow Fade. You should go watch that on YouTube right now. It's from like the, probably the early 2000s. And, and it has a line that says, um, basically it says, daddies don't just crumble in a day. Families don't just crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. And the testimony of my life, and this is Paige here speaking, I was raised in the ministry, and uh, and my dad fell victim to uh, sin in a way that eventually became public. And that doesn't happen overnight. And at the point that this sin became public, it split my family uh, in two. It sent my mom and, and four kids one way and my dad a different way. But how many of you know that sin had been active for a long time? Time, and and I think that there were godly men in my in my dad's life that uh, that had spoken, you know, to that over over the years and and whatnot. But um, but anyway, but the the premise is true. Something like that, something that is a small issue in the beginning it, uh, or a small uh, sin in the beginning, can really become a poison. And, and it's destructive, and it can get to this place that it not only destroys your life, but the collateral damage is death all around you. And so, so the heart, going back to the heart of this question, is how do you um, how do you expose sin in a way that is not condemning? And uh, and certainly, um, in the book of of Matthew, it describes this, and some of the epistles. 
uh, Paul talks about about this more specifically. But uh, Jesse and I in our in our car conversation, we were just talking about um, how all things have to be done in love, and uh, and there's a verse that says love covers a multitude of sins. And um, in First Corinthians, it talks about uh, the greatest of the gifts is love. And so I would just say to anyone listening, if you're listening right now and feeling uncomfortable because you're like, man, I've been convicted that I need to talk to my best friend or my spouse or whatever about this area of sin, I would just say to make sure that you're operating from a place of, of love and that your intention is not condemnation, but restoration. So those Pharisees in John 8 brought the woman before Jesus and asked for her to be condemned. We, people, we bring people to Jesus because we want them to be restored. And I think in the simplicity of that mindset, there's a lot of life and there's a lot that we can hold, hold on to. In the study that Jesse and I are doing um, through Flourish um, with Passion City Church, it uh, it talks about this Bible verse in Psalm one nineteen where the Lord disciplines um, someone, and we were talking about the difference between discipline and correction and punishment, and I think that the same is true in this case. Um, whenever you are correcting someone in a place of love, it's always because the outcome is that there's better life ahead for them. You want better life ahead for them. So say my children, for example, say they want to take off and run in the middle of the road. Well, I'm going to stop and I'm going to, I am going to choose to spank their bottom because that's how I personally discipline um, sometimes. And I'm going to do that in the hopes that they never run in the road again because I want them to live a long life. And I'm not going to do it because um, I'm mad at them and I want to punish them. I'm going to do it to save their life. And I think that, uh, that that's just a really important mindset that we use whenever we are addressing exposing sin. What are your thoughts, Jesse? Um, I agree, and I love that. And then I also think, because we, since we're doing the soap study in John this month, and we just studied chapter 13 today, today, or I've studied chapter 13. You'll get to I'm it. I'm always a little behind. <laughs> she'll, she'll get to it, and then she'll catch up and come ahead. But in 13, um, the first verse says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world, to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And what I love about that is Jesus knows um, his time is about to end because Judas, one of his disciples, are turning him in to betray him. But the very first verse of this chapter says that Jesus loved his own who are in the world and he loved them to the end. He loved them until death. And out of this overflow of love that you see from Jesus Christ, he then washes the feet of the disciples. And why I bring this up at this time, talking about discipline, talking about punishment, is because Jesus knew that his love for Judas Iscariot and washing his feet wouldn't even have a good outcome, but he did it out of love to the end. He loved them to the end. So it makes me pose this question. 
How does the Lord show us to expose sin in other people's lives? And when do we just get to love him? And when when do we just get to love them? Because he knew Judas would betray him. But in the end, it all worked out for God's good. So Judas all along, he had their money. He worked he worked with their money. Uh, and like you and like you said, you don't just uh, betray somebody overnight. It happens over time. And so it made it made me think, you know, Jesus uh, wasn't betrayed by Judas in one single night from the kiss. He was betrayed from him all along, and it was a choice. So um, I just think there is an undercurrent of the Spirit showing us um, when He wants us to have that conviction of pe- calling people out. But do they accept it or not? Do they accept? Um, to be called out in their shame and have the light be exposed to them? Or do they just hide back? And what do you do at that point? And I think um, I think that's why it's so important that we be led by the Holy Spirit in how we address things. Um, I read something somewhere that said, um, knowledge is knowing what to say and wisdom is knowing when to say it. And uh, actually, both of those are gifts from the Holy Spirit. That wasn't the context of the quote. But I think it's true in terms of, of what we're talking about, too. You have to be led by the Spirit in your timing and in your words. And, uh, and I'm reminded of two verses. One is in Galatians 6, 1. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit, again, that's key, live by the Spirit, you should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. And so I love that picture of gentle, gentle restoration. And, um, and I think there's a lot of visuals that that we could get again, even from the the book of John. I am the good shepherd, and Jesus going and in, in restoring someone lost back to the flock. What what that looks like. But another verse is from James, and it's from chapter five, verse nineteen and twenty. It says, "My brothers and sisters." If one of you should wander from the truth and then someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Um, Another translation says, um, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. And so I think it's in, I think it's really a, it's important and it's timely and it's biblical that we talk about this. And what I love about this whole conversation is it's not like Jesse and I woke up today and we're like, well, let's talk about how we expose sins. Um, and that was not on either of our, I mean, that wasn't on the forefront of our minds today with the tasks at hand, but that's kind of where the word took us and it's where the spirit took us in our conversation. And and that's how we ended up here in this particular podcast discussion. And so um, the great thing about being led by the spirit, about opening your word and about being willing to listen as the spirit leads you into navigating tough questions um, is that he already has the answers. Uh, the Lord says, ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock. And uh, and so I'm thankful for the privilege to do that 
Um, like I said at the at the onset of this podcast, it's not this was not a how to guide. This episode is not a how to guide. It's me and Jesse processing this out. Like, what does it look to expo- look like to expose someone caught in sin and love? And and going back to the book of John because this is where we are right now in chapter one, maybe going into chapter two. Um, Nathaniel is a guy who's called by the Lord. And then he goes and he tells his friends and and he says, come meet this man who told me everything basically uh, about myself and um, and also the woman at the well, the the Samaritan woman says the same type of thing. Come told this man who told me everything that there ever was about me. And with her life, there was a lot of sin involved in that everything. And I think when you are seeking to like restore someone gently, that's a really good place to start. Like, hey, God saw my sin and he brought me out of that. And, and let the Lord do the rest of the work, but come with that humility of attitude. And, and I think just also take a sigh of relief in knowing a question that we never have to navigate and we never have to answer is, what do we do with, um, with, with sin? What power can overcome sin? Where can we go to find solution for something greater than this purpose, than this person's sin? That answer is explicit and it's Jesus Christ. And it has, that question has been answered through the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus when he defeated sin and death. So that's not the question. The question is, how do we bring someone into the light to expose sin um, instead of just being passive and in not bringing truth in where it's necessary? That is so good. And it also reminds me of the lie that Satan tells us about um what happens on the other end of exposing sin. So if sin is exposed, then you feel the condemnation, right? But we know there is no condemnation. We know that in Luke 15, Jesus gives three parables in in rebuttal to the Pharisees trying to condemn Gentiles. And Jesus says that heavenly things Heavenly realms rejoice whenever someone repents. They rejoice when a lost person returns. And one of those parables is the prodigal son. And it said that um, right at the end, whenever the prodigal son knew that he no longer wanted to live in sin, it said in verse 20 of chapter 15, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. So, wow. So if we do know that, if we do know that all it is, is repentance, all it is, is take putting down that sin and running to the father. And he is already there to meet you before you even get to him. Um, what is that deep lie um, that that sin and Satan tells us that there is condemnation on the other side of exposing. Mm-hmm. Man, that's that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is just whenever you know the Lord so much better, when we get into the Word and to the way and the truth and the life, He shows us that's what no condemnation means when heaven rejoices because one lost soul has returned to the Father. 
That's so good. And I love that you said he saw him from far off and he had compassion. Um, Colossians 3.12 says, So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. And I love that we don't have to come up with the compassion. The compassion is our Father's, and it's there already. We get the opportunity to bear that compassion because of the Holy Spirit in our lives in how we approach how we approach um, our the prodigal that we have all been. We have all been. That's the thing we have to remember. We've all been um, the person in need of uh, salvation and light in an area of, of darkness and of, and of sin. And um, that's just so, uh, so good. Uh, in kind of concluding this, I want to say too, um, I'm reminded of, of Mark 5 in the woman with the issue of blood. The story never gets old. Um, but the thing about the story, one of the things that just amazes me is that the woman wanted her issue to stop. Um, her issue of a perpetual, what was probably, says hemorrhaging, probably a perpetual menstrual cycle. Um, she wanted it to stop, but she didn't want to be seen. And um, I, I think, like you said, Jesse, there has to be that moment where you're seen, like before the, you're seen before, you know that the Lord sees you because the word says that he sees you. And so, um, yeah, I don't know what that what that looks like. And if you're listening and you're dealing with sin, I would encourage you to find the person in your life that you know wears that compassion of the Father and say, I'm struggling. I'm stuck in sin. I don't want to be stuck in sin. I don't want to be a slave to it. I've been called to freedom. You have been called to freedom if you're in Christ. So, Look for the person around you that's wearing that compassion, that's wearing that gentleness of spirit, and that can show you and point you back to the light and the way and the truth and the life and and just be honest with them about what is going on. And if you're like, okay, I'm not stuck in a secret skin, then be that person that's wearing compassion. Be that person that's wearing a gentle spirit. Be the person that is a safe haven to point people back to the way, the truth, the life, and the light of the world, the light of Christ. Jesse, any other thoughts before we close out? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts, but I think that's a great way to end it. Yeah, so we'll do this again. We'll stop for now because Jesse and I could keep talking for hours. Uh, but these are just thoughts as we process through John uh, today. So. Um, thanks and, and join us again if you want to join us in person Mondays in June we meet at the Ministry House 723 West Texas Street Durant, Oklahoma or you can uh, join us at our next Entourage Worship Gathering on uh, the second Tuesday evening in July um, right across the street thanks for joining us today for more information about Entourage Ministries visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram we gather for our monthly worship gathering open to any woman who has interest the second Tuesday of every month at the Monterey in the Arts District of Durant, Oklahoma.